This is recording number 10930 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 19, 2011. This Father's Day message by Randy Bolt is titled, Our Father. So we're going to be talking about the Heavenly Father today. That little video we just showed you said things, everything, things go better with dads. Uh, some of you were busy uh, um, trying to get your plate loaded up back there and may have missed it. But in that video, there was a little boy throwing a baseball and no one on the other end to catch it. There was a little girl trying to f- fly a kite and nobody on the other end holding the string. A little boy trying to learn to ride his bike without his training wheels and uh, there was no one there to support him as he got going and then the the video changes and the little boy throws the baseball and the dad's on the other end to catch it. The little girl throws her kite up in the air and dad's on the other end with a string. The boy gets on his bike again and this time dad's there to help launch them or launch him. Dads have a big, big impact on our lives, either negatively or positively. I don't know where you're, what your experience has been with your earthly father, but let me tell you, we have a father who is perfect towards us, perfect in love, perfect in wisdom, perfect in care, perfect in mercy, perfect in grace. And I want to talk to you today about him and not just talk to you today but make room for the Holy Spirit to bring healing to any part of your life that needs uh, the touch of a real father. Now Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse, well actually beginning at verse 5. We're going to start our reading at verse 7. He taught us to pray. I don't know if you've noticed something before, or I don't know if you've noticed this before, but the way you talk to someone uh, tells an awful lot about what you think of them. How you think about them comes out in the way that you talk to them, or better yet, the way you talk about them. But Jesus, when he was teaching us to pray, he wasn't giving us something to sort of memorize and then just repeat from memory. You're going to remember these verses because you've heard them, even if you've never read them in the Bible, you've heard people say them. Oftentimes they're just referred to as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father or whatever. But when we read these verses, we're not reading uh, something Jesus meant for us to memorize and then just recite He was telling us how to think about the Heavenly Father. Because the way we talk to Him is the way that we think about Him. And let's begin reading at verse 17. Chapter 6. I'm sorry, I said 17, I meant verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love this verse uh, that I'm going to put on the screen here in just a second. From Psalm 68 and it's verse 5. God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. You know that it's actually technically impossible to be fatherless, right? And God is not stupid. He's not saying something inconsistent with a biology. But he's reminding us of something that is uh, so often true. We can feel fatherless. We can't technically be fatherless, but many of us feel unfathered. But the Bible says we have a father. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. And as we dig into these verses that we've just read, let's be introduced to this one who is our father. Verse 7 tells us, When you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Many of us, came to believe that the only way we could connect with our, really connect with our fathers, even if it was just to get them to do something for us, was to say the right things in the right way at the right time. Or to say it over enough that we began to irritate them enough that they would pay attention to us. God is not like that. Our God is someone whose attention we have. We have his full attention. You don't have to fight for it. I have, I've prayed many prayers like this, and I've certainly heard many other prayers like this in the course of my Christian life, where we come to God and we, it seems as though we're trying to get his attention. Sometimes we raise our voice. Sometimes we uh, probe our mind for what did that pastor say I should say now? And we try to think of the right phraseology as though we had some sort of divine combination lock and we were just trying to get the tumblers just right so that we could make connection with God. Almost as though we're trying to, you know, we're deserted on a desert, we're deserted on, a, on an island trying to flag some help down. Getting God's attention. I don't know all of you, and I, I don't know any of you well enough to know uh, the details of the intimate places of your life that some of this will touch today. But if you are a person who feels like you have to flag God down, that try as hard as you might, you, may, you just can't seem to get the tumblers to, in the right place. I want to tell you, whatever modeling 
caused you to feel like that's the way God is? It's not true. You have a God in heaven whose attention is yours. I was with my granddaughter and uh, uh, a friend, uh, Emma Cheatham, uh, yesterday at uh, uh, Discovery Kingdom. And because she had a, we, we went two days in a row to Discovery Kingdom. The second day, Emma came with us. And because she had a buddy, then I didn't, they didn't want me on the rides with them. So <laughs> I, I watched. Nonetheless, you know, they're spinning or whatever else they're doing. And they would come around. And what's the first thing my granddaughter's doing? He's looking for me. She's wanting to know, am I, is my eyes on her or am I looking at my phone? Right? <laughs> We want to know that dad sees us. We have a God whose eye is on us. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them, like the heathen, those who think that they have to somehow get God's attention by what they say or how much they say. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I don't know if your dad was insensitive to your needs. I remember, I've probably said this before, so forgive me if I've used this illustration, but I remember one day my wife coming to me and say, and said, Randy, you know how they kind of square up, you know? Randy, the girls need underwear. I didn't know this. I was insensitive to their need. We do not have a God in heaven who has to be confronted with our need. That verse tells us he already knows what we need before we ask. And if God loves us and he knows what we need, wouldn't it be uh, uh, assumed that he's already in motion to meet those needs? Dear one, whatever it is that uh, this morning is the deepest concern of your heart that is shared by God in heaven. And he is not just up there wringing his hands thinking, oh, what am I going to do to help them? He knows what we need. And even if it doesn't seem obvious at the moment, that God who knows your needs is at work right now to meet them. Right now. Verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. We have a God, in, we have a God who is in heaven. <laughs> and that would be a great place to say, Thank God. Because... He has a perspective that is eternal. He doesn't have the problem of not being able to see the forest for the trees like we do. I, I you know, sometimes, I'll admit, sometimes it's frustrating to me because I want him to be seeing the trees. But what I really need him to see is the forest. I need him to see the bigger picture. 
I need to be able to trust him that he is moving on my behalf not just to uh, deal with the little details that I'm so riveted on, my focus is on so tightly. I need for him to be moving on a broader sphere, in a broader way. We have a God in heaven. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We have a God who has earned our respect, not one who is demanding it. I don't know what your... I, I, well, I, I, I shouldn't say that I do know because I've talked to some of you about your dads. And I do know that some of them demanded respect. Now, I'm not saying that as moms and dads we shouldn't teach our children to have respect for adults and especially for us as parents. We should. But there is a line that can be easily crossed. And that line, when it gets crossed, does some very irreparable, irreparable damage, not only to the relationship of the uh, child to the parent, but also in, relation, in the relationship between that child and God. Because now when I begin to talk about God as Father, that child sees only someone they need to be afraid of. Uh, we have a God who you do not need to fear but someone who has earned by reason of how he loves us, how he cares for us, how he moves in our lives, our respect. We were taught to pray by Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our God is someone whose authority we welcome. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, my son is going to be turning 30 in November. He's our youngest child. 30. How does this happen? I don't, I don't. I never thought I would get to be 30. Really, seriously. But he has been calling me probably at least once a week for, for a few months now. Um, not that he, he hadn't done that before, but it seems to be that the pace of these uh, times when he reaches out to me on the phone is quickening. And, uh, uh, as he's, and he's talked about it as he's approaching his 30th birthday. He, um, the reason that he's calling me more frequently is because he's recognizing um, that there's something wise about this old man. <laughs> and he's asking for help, guidance. And I, I am very moved by that, that he is welcoming my authority. I mean, he, long ago, he became his own man. Long ago, I, there was a transition between my the authority part of my uh, father relationship with him but that he is reaching out for that and not just dad tell me what to do dad help me to sort this out help me to process this um, we have a God in heaven whose authority you needn't fear 
whose authority you can welcome. Give us this day our daily bread. We have a Father, uh, an eternal Heavenly Father, who faithfully provides all our needs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. Aren't you glad today that our Heavenly Father forgives? How many of you have ever needed the forgiveness of God? <laughs> What's wrong with the rest of you? Get your hand up. <laughs> Man, yeah, Suzanne's over here. Both hands. Oh, I'm so grateful that our God is not withholding forgiveness until we somehow toe the line, till we somehow, you know, uh, do enough to show that we are adequately sorry and all of that kind of stuff that sometimes, sadly, us human fathers do. And we, we do such damage when we do that. Our Heavenly Father is not up there with his arms crossed just kind of looking at us askance and saying, well, maybe this time. But never again. We don't have that kind of God. We have a God who forgives us. And Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us, because we have a, a forgiving God. He said, to he said to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is important. Our God holds us accountable to his values. He is a forgiver. And basically when it says that, you know, uh, pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, Jesus was tel telling us something about God that he is a God of mercy and he's inviting us to be people of mercy as well. People of grace, people of forgiveness. In other words, he's saying, this is what we do in our family. This is our Heavenly Father saying, this is how we behave in our family. We forgive. We forgive. You know, forgiveness is such a powerful thing. Such a powerful thing. And when we, when we withhold it from others, the only person being hurt is us, me. When I withhold forgiveness to someone else, it's, kind of, it's twisted. I think that I'm hurting them by withholding forgiveness. That somehow I'm making them pay for what they did to me or how they misunderstood me. All I'm really doing is giving them the ability to continue to hurt me. I'm not saying that our forgiveness ought to be motivated by selfishness, but I am saying let's don't be people who hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. Let's represent our family well. This is what our dad does. He forgives. He went to the cross. Did he deserve that? No. He went to the cross on the uh, on the false accusations of others. And yet, hanging there, bleeding to death, he said, Father, this is what we do in our family. Father, forgive them. If you've got someone you're tied up in knots with today, 
and you're a believer, let me encourage you. That's not what we do in our family. And our Father will hold us accountable to be as He is. Let's be forgivers. And do not lead us into temptation like he would do that, right? (laughs) Jesus said to pray, Oh God, don't lead me into temptation. No. He was setting up with that phrase, he was setting up the one that comes after, setting up the contrast. He said, pray, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I am so thankful that we have a God who saves, who heals, who delivers, who rescues us and guides us into freedom and wholeness. Finally, I want to share this scripture with you from Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It's also very familiar. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be news to many of you that that word Abba means, well, it's just a very, very intimate, familiar term. It'd be like saying Dada. My, my grandson, Nolan, so I didn't pick these names for me. I think I told you this before, but his mom and dad uh, taught him to uh, call me Papa. So that's my name with him. I'm Papa. Now, my granddaughter who's here today, Avriella, her parents, don't, I don't, this is twisted. I don't know where this came from. But she, she taught, or they taught her to call me Papa Heidi. <laughs> Most of you are, snick, are snickering because you know that's our dog's name. So I'm Papa Heidi for some unknown reason. Don't any of you call me that. <laughs> When she calls me that, it's, it's delightful. <laughs> Took me a while to get over it, but now it's delightful. <laughs> My point is, we have a father who wants to know us intimately and wants us to know him intimately. He's invited us. The Holy Spirit, in fact, comes in part to indwell us when we come to Christ in faith for the express purpose of helping us to cry out to the eternal God, Papa, Dada, and to not feel silly or weird or presumptuous about that, but to have a relationship with a God who is that near, that dear, and that close.